Okay, so let's go over in the Bible to Luke chapter 15 and part 2, the, the real how-tos tonight for relationships. How many of you agree that you have to be around people? How many of you agree that, that that's something you're just going to have to do? Everybody? Great. And how many of you understand that if you don't learn how to handle certain people, that you're going to go to jail? (laughs) How many of you know that? There's some people have the power to put you in jail. And you're going to have to be around people. God is a people God. And God promotes through people. He promotes based on how we deal with people and handle people. Because everything about God is about people. And so, I I mean, we all know that we would be great Christians if there were no people. But there are people. And and you're going to have to figure out the different types of people and and how you deal with them. There's lots of different types. I'm going to break them down into simple categories. First, there's the good. Everybody says, oh, yeah, the good. So you're not going to have to worry about the good, so let's go on. The good are not going to hurt you. They're not going to do anything bad to you because they're good. The basic essence of them is that they are harmless. They don't have it within them to harm you. So you're okay with the good. Now we're going to go to the bad. The bad are dangerous people. Those come in two categories. So you have bad, saved, and bad, unsaved. So this is really important. Bad unsaved, you're going to witness to, but you're not going to have an intimate relationship with. Bad saved are dangerous people. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. So you have to actually sever your relationship with wolves, with people that are dangerous, and love them from a distance. Remember this, misapplied mercy creates demonic opportunities. Misapplied mercy creates demonic opportunities. If you expose your children to a pedophile because you love that pedophile, your children will be molested in the name of mercy, love, and compassion. They are dangerous, so you have to cut your relationship off from those people, but love them and pray for them long distance. Praise the Lord. Did everybody understand what I just said? It's not a matter of cruelty. It's a matter of wisdom. Be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Praise the Lord. So dangerous people, heretics, people that practice... um, Pretty much any evangelistic person of darkness, anybody that wants to convert you into anything of darkness falls into the category of dangerous. So if somebody comes aggressively at you with witchcraft, the occult, and they're aggressively coming at you, you have to sever that from your family. You can't have fellowship with that. You have pray for that, love that, but you can't have fellowship with that. And the Bible is real clear about it. You read it on your own. I'm I'm not going to pursue it. But 
I think that you understand that if a man will hit you in the face and kick you and knock you out, that this is not a man you should have in your house. Praise the Lord. If a woman will beat the living daylights out of you, this is not a woman you probably want to have in the house. Praise God. You have to decide how you're going to be treated and who is going to respect you and how they're going to treat you. You have to decide that. Because if you don't decide that, Satan will take advantage of, the, of no boundaries and run right over you. So as soon as you have mercy on the devil, he kills you. He hurts you. He destroys you. He does something else bad. So that's a really important thing to learn right there. Praise the Lord. Then you have controllers and manipulators. Controllers and manipulators. So controllers are people who use five basic tactics to control, intimidate, and manipulate. Five funnels of control. Personality, body language, ver words, spiritual uh, manipulation of the Bible and what it says, and psychological manipulation. So you have five kinds of control right there, and those five kinds of control are going to come at you with intimidation, pressure, guilt, fear, threats, insinuation, uh, flattery, and so on and so forth. Emotional blackmail. But all of that is, is control. Control amounts to the spirit of witchcraft. The spirit of witchcraft is working in that person, and they are a person that uses their emotions. They use guilt trips on you. They make you feel guilty about saying no to them, about whatever it is they're asking. They get depressed. They get sad. They feel sorry for themselves. And you walk on eggshells for them. And you are under the spirit of witchcraft now because you should not walk on eggshells for any person ever under any circumstances. If this person takes their fist and rams it through, through, the, through the wall, this is an intimidation and this is something you should not tolerate. And you should not allow in, in, around your children or around your home because this is just inviting the devil to come and wreck your family. Praise the Lord. Words, it's the same way. Language. When someone is, has gone past the point of just arguing with you and now they are prophesying to you, they are telling you who you are based on what Satan thinks about you. You are a piece of blankety-blank. You are trash. You are this. You are that. You are no good. You are... When they start cursing you like that, you have to put your foot down and you have to say, this is not going to happen. I'm not coming under that. I'm not allowing that. Praise the Lord. You have to be careful. Now, this doesn't mean anytime somebody does it, but a person who has the habit of doing it, they do it all the time. It's not something they do one time. Now you kick them out. You did it one time. You said that. That's it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are this. This is who they are. This is how they react. This is how they respond. Controllers and manipulators. Very dangerous. And you have to be careful because remember, relationships are about wisdom and knowing what to do with the person in front of you. 
you have to know your own weakness. If you don't know what your weaknesses are, you can't properly have a relationship with people. If a person is a gossip, and you are a gossip, and you know you love gossip, you cannot have a friendship with a gossip when you are a gossip because you cannot get over it. It's like giving you cocaine. You say, what? No way. Let's talk about it. You have a spirit of gossip. Very dangerous. If you have a spirit of lust, you cannot be around someone you are very sexually attracted to that you are not married to because they are going to cause you to fall and to get in bondage and to lust and to have fantasies and to have all types of temptations. If you're not already hooked on pornography, you will eventually get hooked on pornography because you have almost 50% of women that are now addicted to pornography and over 78% of men. So that is serious, serious bondage already being created because people don't know how to defend themselves against the visual and and auditory uh, temptations that come their way by just watching TV. Praise the Lord. Very, very, very important to know what to do. So anything that tempts you to, to walk towards the darkness, you have to manage it. You have to say, wait, my, my, my sister-in-law or my mother-in-law or my sister I can only handle so much of her right now where I am spiritually. I'm just not spiritually mature enough to be around that for more than an hour or so. And you're going to have to manage that until you grow up to have the patience of God. And just say, okay, I can handle anybody about anything. Praise God. They just gossip for three hours. Didn't bother them at all. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. They talked about nothing for two hours on the phone. And they're going to do it again tomorrow. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> you have to know your weakness. Where are you? Can you handle that? Because if you can't handle that, it's just going to steal your joy. It's going to make you tired. You're not going to know what to do, how to handle it. It's going to be very difficult. And so you have to manage your own spiritual, the atmosphere of your own spiritual life. And you're going to have to say, look, I didn't pray at all today. I'm in a bad mood. I really don't need to be around people that already offend me. I need to get away and be alone with God because if I don't, I'm going to get in a fight with people, the people I love. I'm going to get mad at everybody. You have to be smart and be able to separate yourself. Jesus did it all the time, every day. He'd preach for hours and hours and get everybody saved, healed, and delivered. And then it says he went off to a solitary place and prayed for nine hours. And there are the nine-hour people in your life where you have to be away from them for nine hours. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Never feel bad for taking precautions that will prevent you from hurting someone. That's important. Really important. And in a little bit, I'll tell you the other things. But right now, I'm just giving you kind of a, a synopsis of, of all of that. Um, then, you, you, of course, you have people that are liars and, and people that are accusers and slanderers and things of that nature, all of which you have to put your foot down. You have to be careful who you let around your children. Your children, when they're young, 
It is not their job to pick their friends. It is your job to pick their friends. You train them how to pick a friend, and then you teach them why to pick those friends and how to walk with those friends. And even if you train them in every right way and train every child in every right way, there may be a child that for whatever reasons, when they're older, decides to put their foot, you know, in a place they shouldn't put it, and they're going to get bit, and then they'll realize you were right the whole time, everything. I told you everything you told me, but I just decided to be self-willed, and I did it, and now I'm paying the price for it. Sometimes the price is little. Sometimes the price is big. But it's our job to train each other on how to walk in love with one another. Praise the Lord. So, um, here, what I'm going to read to you is the story of the prodigal son. He got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with pity, tenderness for him, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him fervently, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I no longer deserve to be recognized as one of yours. But the father said to the servants, Bring the best robe, and the robe of honor, and put it on him. Give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet, and bring out the wheat-fatted calf and kill it. And let's all revel and feast and be happy and make merry. Because my son was dead and now is alive. He was lost and now is found. He, they began to revel and feast and make merry. But his older son was in the field. And as he returned and came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And having called one of the servant boys to him, he began to ask what this meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf. Because he has received him back safe and well, but the elder brother was angry with deep-seated wrath and resolved not to go in. So here, two relationships. You have the father who has a totally forgiving spirit. He accepts his son back. His son has been out sinning. He spent the whole inheritance, wasted it all. The dad doesn't have any bitterness, no resentment about it. He doesn't tell him, you ungrateful son, how terrible of a son you are. Why are you back here? You are not my son. You have wasted everything that I spent my whole life ready to give you. You threw it. He didn't do any of that because he is a divine father. He represents our heavenly father. He is merciful and forgiving and kind. And the son had to repent. When he repented, he came back. He even knew how to have a good relationship with his father. But he had been raised in a, in a good way. He was raised in a godly home by a very godly man and had a very godly life. But he took it for granted as many children will. He took it for granted. But when it was time and he was in his worst stage, he knew where to go to find his answers and his cure. Praise God. Make your life one of those lives that people will come to you when they're in their worst state and come to you for help and for cures instead of coming to get beat up. Praise the Lord. But notice that his brother had a different attitude. His brother said, why are you doing this for this un, 
worthy, wretched son. This is a wretched son you have. I've been loyal every day. I've worked hard every day. I've done everything you want me to do. And, and, and you didn't give me anything, no robe, no ring, no, no shoes, no staff, no cow, nothing. And dad said, look, everything I got is yours. This boy was lost. He's now found. I'm going to throw a party just like I would for you. But he didn't understand it because his relationship concept was based on works, not based on love and mercy. Very important right there, what I just said. If you're going to keep a record book, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have to let people free over and over and over and over again. A lot. A lot. So, let's get into the how-tos. So, I gave you a few. I didn't give you everything. There's at least 12 of those that, that I could have gone. But, but I gave you enough to get you going. So, let's, let's start relationships and how, you, how these relationships work. Because you want relationships to work. How many of you want relationships to work? Those that are important to you. You want them to work. The first thing, because all of us are prejudiced in some manner towards something. For example, I'm, I'm almost over it. I'm 75% over it, but I'm not yet totally over it. I have about 25% problem still. I really have a problem with weird-looking feet. It's... it's <laughs> It's something I'm trying to overcome. I, I, I have a problem. I've overcome it about 75%. It's, it's weird. It's a weird problem. It's, it's when I admit freely. You know, I confess this. If that second toe stretches way out there beyond the other ones, I have a reaction. I have, I have a, a freaked out reaction. It's weird. It's a weird thing. If the toes are curled like this, that gives me a problem. If they shoot out like that, that if they're stubby and short and stuck together, that gives me a problem. It's something I've been dealing with all my life. And I've almost totally got victory. Praise the Lord. I'm not the only one. <laughs> Your prejudices may be different than that. You may have a prejudice towards people with bellies. And you may find yourself judging them in your head. Or other things. They talk a lot. You may find yourself judging them for talking a lot. Or someone who's just raises their eyebrow when they talk. And you may find yourself being judgmental of them as arrogant people because they have their eyebrow up. There's so many prejudices that will hinder you and me from loving people and from being blessed in our lives. So the first thing you have to do is you have to go to God in prayer with what I call transparency prayer. Transparency prayer is different than, than uh, intercessory prayer or petitional prayer. Transparency prayer is when you go to God and you're honest with God 
and tell God the truth. It's not when you tell God what he wants to hear. Oh, Father, the greatness of your spirit is upon me. I love everybody. But you're lying right there. And you know you don't. So honest transparency prayer, because if you give God permission by confessing a thing or talking to God, he delivers you instantly from it. I've been delivered quickly from things when I've just told God the truth about it. I hate Larry, Mary, and Jerry. I can't stand anything about them. I've got a lot of bad feelings towards them. And I would like to pay their way as missionaries to Uganda. As you tell God things, not just in that area, but any area, any area, say, God, I love food. I wish I could just never stop eating food. I love ice cream. I wish I could eat 10 gallons of ice cream and lose weight. Can you give me that miracle? Is that a miracle I could get? Could I have three Cinnabon and, and lose a pound? You tell God the truth. Transparency prayer. You tell God every single thing that's in there that is not of God. You don't tell this to people. Don't tell people these things. They will not understand and they are not God. They have no solution for you. There's none of their business. You go to God and you tell him, God, I am not getting off my knees until I am free from this thing. And you will find the Holy Spirit right there delivering you instantly. Sometimes before you're done talking, you will be free. Because when you expose darkness to light, it dies in the light. Just say it. Say it out loud. I want my husband to die. Say that to God and it will, you will be delivered by the fear of the Lord that will come upon you and he will just strike that thing right out of you and you will find yourself walking in liberty and saying, Lord, thank you. I will never think that or say that again. Praise God. Now, until you try what I'm telling you, trust me that I'm not misleading you. Because I have done this now for 45 years, and I'm telling you that honesty is very attractive to the Holy Spirit. Genuineness and authenticity without prepackaged praying that isn't even sincere or true, when you do that, there will be an invasion of the presence of God, and it will begin to give you a desire to actually be around the people you cannot stand. I have told God many times, Woo, I do not like these people right there. Woo, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I got really stumbling over this. Wow. And I have found the strength from the Holy Spirit. I found the grace, the wisdom, and the love. And been able to just overcome it. This has happened to me a lot of times throughout the years of traveling. Meet somebody on the road and you just can't stand them. That is the most fake person I have ever seen. And I say, Lord, I'm really having a problem. And the Lord told me, he said, go attack them with affection and love and listen to their whole story. And it just blew it all out of the water. It delivered me instantly. Because your reaction is to avoid. 
Once you avoid, you are now a prisoner because now you're on the run. You never want to be on the run as a Christian. You're always attacking in order to convert and bless. Praise the Lord. Give somebody a high five and say, you need this. You need this. You pray and purge. You get delivered in the midst of it. Prayer, transparency prayer. This kind of praying will lead you to a spirit of intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is where you get all of the virtues of God activated in your divine nature so you can unleash those on the people that are giving you a hard time. We're talking your husband now. We're talking your wife. We're talking about the inner circle of your life. We're talking about your children. We're talking about your parents. We're talking about your relatives. We're talking about all those kinds of people. Otherwise, there wouldn't be, you know, so many divorces because people won't face reality and they lie to each other for all these years, say everything's great when it's not great. And I, I don't, I, I just think it's sad because it doesn't ha- none of those things have to happen. You know, if you expect people to change in order to make you happy, you're already headed for a big disappointment. You change, whether they change or not, and be okay. Praise the Lord. Just be okay. Say, well, you might never change, husband, but I'm believing God you will. Praise the Lord. But whether you do or not, I'm going to be happy. Woman, glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You have to have it. Because if you don't, then you're going to become a monster in the house of God. Okay? Ephesians 4.32, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Forgiveness doesn't count until you don't want to do it. Because it's not forgiveness when it just flows out of you. When you don't have to forgive a person, then you're past forgiveness. You've actually entered into the nature of God. But when there's a person you don't want to forgive, and you do it because you love God, this is a very honorable, godly thing that is always releases blessings in the presence of God in your life. Because there will be people in your life that you will not want to forgive. But you will be their slave if you don't. They will enslave you till you die. And the way you know you're enslaved, your bars are bitterness, revenge, hatred, hard-heartedness, and not caring. That is the discipleship plan of Satan for your life. That is his discipleship program. And it comes through bad people. You got the good, you got the bad, then you got the ugly. Look at five people and say, ooh, the ugly. (laughs) What is ugly to you? It may not be to me. There's friends that I have that other people cannot stand them. They cannot stand to be around them. People I know, they say, how, do you, how can you be around that person? They drive me crazy. I said, they are so funny to me. I consider that hilarious, the way they act. <laughs> they grind their teeth. And, other, and they're just driven crazy. I just, I, I just love it. But the feet... The exposed feet reaching out. 
to grab you in the night like creatures. How could you? Praise the Lord. Amen? So, in order to maintain the relationships that you're supposed to have and nurture them properly, you're going to have to practice daily forgiveness as many times as it takes for you no longer to be in that place. One day you practice forgiveness enough that it becomes a habit of your divine nature and you do it without thinking about it and you never have to stop and say, oh my gosh, I really got to forgive this person. You then become forgiveness towards that person. You have the mindset, disposition, and spiritual place of always being in a spirit of forgiveness. That is a divine place, and that is divine relationships. But if you think that there are relationships that you will not have to forgive them for, everything, for anything, you are wrong because that would have to be a perfect person. And let me tell you this about perfect people. Jesus was perfect, and he, a lot of people didn't like him. His own family, some of his own family, didn't even approve of him for a while. The Pharisees killed him. They murdered the Son of Heaven. They murdered a person going around preaching love and healing the sick and raising the dead. And they murdered him. They hated him. The Romans tore his body to pieces. Even though they knew all he did was good, and bless people, and heal people, and they murdered him for being good. Praise the Lord. So that's not your answer. Your answer is you have to forgive everybody for what they did to you that made you twisted on the inside, or bent, or resentful, or prejudiced, or partial. Have you ever been hurt by somebody, and then met another person with their name, and didn't like them just for having that name? What you say your name was? <laughs> Have you ever wanted to name a baby and you go through the names? Oh, let's name, let's name that little baby Crystal. What? No way. I knew a Crystal in fourth grade. There's no way. I hate that. <laughs> name my child Crystal. Because they marked you. They made you for all eternity prejudice towards the name that you attach with ugly. Praise the Lord. So you have to redefine ugly because what is ugly to you may not be ugly to somebody else and you have to learn how to love everybody's ugly. Let me put it to you this way. Man measures success by how much money you make. God measures success by how many ugly people you can make beautiful. You are a success with God when you can take ugly off people. Praise the Lord. And the top five people are the five most important people in your life today, which would be your wife or your husband, your children, and so on and so forth. Your job is to use ugly soap and wash the ugly off of them. Praise God. Look at three people and say, you're already perfect. 
Have any of you ever done anything ugly? Like, wow, that was really ugly what you just did. You just went like crazy ballistic. Yeah. So, important. The next point. This is really important. You can find this all over the Bible. James chapter 4, 6, 7, and 8. You can find it in uh, Micah 6, 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. There's no... Relationships don't work where someone gets proud. If both of you stay humble... There's nothing you cannot work out. When you begin to defend a vice in your life, you go to war with God. Please remember what I'm about to tell you. If you are not easily correctable by your wife or husband or children, if they cannot come to you and say to you, this bothers me, what you're doing and saying hurts me, And you are not able to just say, I am so sorry, I will not do that again. I've done that many times with all my children and my wife. But it took me a lot of years. It happened about maybe 19 years ago when the Holy Spirit spoke to me. One day, I was in Guatemala, I was eating, and uh, my family was there. And the Lord said it to me so clear. He said, do what your wife tells you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I better rebuke the devil right now. <laughs> but you know, it was a word from God. Because the best prophet you have is your mate. They have the most clear, accurate word of prophecy for you. They know your address, your bank account number, your date of birth, all your problems, and everything about you. And if they're not in the mode of having to go crazy in order for you to listen to them, If they know they can whisper something and you will do it, they'll stop being crazy. The minute your wife or your husband knows that if they approach you with something, that you will change if you see it and know it's wrong, or you will pray about it, the crazy leaves. Because now they know they don't have to take it to such a crazy level like jumping out of a window to get your attention. And this is... Only possible when you are a humble person. You cannot correct proud people or people who will get angry at you and attack you when you correct them or, or, or tell you that you're a, an accuser and get upset at you and mad at you. Nobody can get along with that. Nobody can get along with that. And remember, if you're going to dish it out, you better be able to receive it. You can't just say, well, I am the corrector of the family. It is my anointing to correct people in the body of Christ. I'm preaching in Minnesota. The pastor says, I need you to talk to this woman. She's been giving me a lot of trouble. I say, why do you want me to talk to her? I'm an overseer of the church. I'm, you know, he considered me his pastor, so, so I'm real direct with him. I say, well... Why why do you want me to talk to him? Do you not love me anymore? (laughs) I don't know what to do. So the woman comes in. She sits down with her husband. She starts talking to me about legalism, this and that, all kinds of stuff. And 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me right away. I said, ma'am, have you and I ever met? No. You have a heart problem. There's something wrong with your heart. I can see it right now. How do you know? I said, I can see it. The Holy Spirit is telling me. And the Holy Spirit is telling me not to get into this conversation with you because you might get in real physical trouble right now. You're already under a lot of stress talking to me. I said, let's back up. Let me pray for you. I just prayed for her. I ministered to her. I just held her a little bit. And, and she softened up and all of that. And she said, ever since I first got saved, five days after I got saved, the Lord has always used me to correct pastors. That's what she said to me. I said, well, good luck with that. <laughs> How many churches have you been in? Oh, lots and lots and lots and lots. But nobody could correct her. I just said one thing. I said, ma'am, you have a spirit of divination ministering to you. No, I don't. It's the calling of God. Praise the Lord. And that was it. Totally shut down, not open, because that's what pride will do to you. Your ego will close your ears to the corrections of the Holy Spirit. A humble man or a humble woman is corrected by every individual they meet. There is no person that does not have access to improve their life and better it. I learn when I meet you, I learn something good or I learn something bad. I am being taught by everybody I meet. Oh, I definitely want to be like that. Ooh, I don't want to be like that. Glory to Jesus. That's how you're supposed to walk. And if you do that with each other and with the people that are in your inner circle and the people you're going to love, then you're going to be okay. If your wife says to you, I need you to take a shower and shave and smell good. Well, you're supposed to love me unconditionally. <laughs> Who can work with that? <laughs> right? So once you correct a person, you automatically make yourself correctable. Praise the Lord. Amen. God loves us, and what does he do? He prunes us. Be prunable. Be prunable. Be prunable. Because it's a beautiful virtue, and it is one of the great keys of having good relationships. Praise the Lord. Look at two people and say, you really needed that. Look at somebody, give them a high five like that and say these words. I only have three payments left in my car. You're supposed to do it. <laughs> Pay it off. Be ye kind to one another. And then what does it says? Tender hearted. What is a great healing virtue of a relationship? tender-heartedness. You will never, ever have issues that are unsolvable if, the, if two people have a tender heart. Tender-hearted people always work things out. Because there's one thing about a tender-hearted person that is divine. The little things are never made into big things.
and they're not selfish. Praise the Lord. What is the condition of your heart tonight? Is it hard? Say, so, well, how do I know if it's hard? The way you know it's hard is there's areas of sin in your life that you're not under conviction about. That's how you know. You actually don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit about those things. That is because the Holy Spirit is not able to reach you. And you know, the truth is the Holy Spirit cannot reach everybody. That's why people go to hell. They're not reachable. Once you stop being teachable, you also stop being reachable. And it's over then. Tender heart. You get that by spending time in the love of God. That's how you get a tender heart. Watch God do miracles. Watch God use you. Pray for people. Love people. Repent all the time. Repent quickly. Apologize. Heal things. Repair things. Maintain a tender heart. Because God lives in a tender heart. But he cannot sow into a rock. Praise God. Would you look at five people and say, Oh, this is so good for you. I don't need it. But man, <laughs> this is so good for you. Go ahead and tell that person, I don't need it at all. I'm way above this. This is like kindergarten preaching. <laughs> I heard this 20 years ago. We're talking about relationships, the keys, the how-tos, the things you need to give. A relationship has to be nurtured, and nurturing comes like this. You nurture something by leaving a piece of yourself in it. Leaving a piece of yourself means this. You are sincere with a person, you are genuine with a person, and you have compassion on the person, and that's how you leave a piece of yourself in that person's life. If you don't do any of those things, then you are going to have a formal relationship, you're going to have an arrangement, you're going to have a casual relationship, you're going to have a distant relationship, you're going to have a carnal relationship, you're going to have a soulish relationship, you're going to have a demonic relationship, or you're going to have an indifferent relationship. But we're now talking about the critical people of your life. You must not allow any of those in the critical relationships of your life. You have to be able to communicate and leave something in that person. That comes through sincerity and, and true compassion for that individual. I have found that when you have compassion for somebody, you'll end up praying for them a lot. You'll end up praying for them. You'll end up praying for them a lot. If you have compassion on your child, you will be laying hands on them. You'll say, what's going on? Let me pray with you about it. You'll be praying for your wife all the time. You'll be praying for your husband. You'll be praying for your mother, your dad. You'll be praying for your pastors. That is what happens when you truly are going to have a healthy and healthy relationships. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody and say, well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Because remember that the relationship killer of all 
is selfishness. That is the killer of killers, selfishness. And unless you are just like Jesus, you're a selfish person. Very few of us, and I'm not, a, I'm not one of them, very few people in here are totally not selfish. Inconvenience is the stairway to Christ-likeness. If you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to walk the walk of inconvenience because Jesus did not walk the path of self-gratification, self-serving, self-exalting, and putting himself first. What did we read in Philippians 2? Consider and regard others as more important than yourself. Wow. Isn't that convicting? How many things are we selfish about? In little daily things, you'll find whoever controls the clicker runs the house. I'm just, I'm just telling you. That's why people get two TVs or three TVs. You have five people running the house. Selfless people give up control. Selfish people take control. And that doesn't work in a relationship. Something's got to give. And it's going to make something ugly of that relationship. But when two people serve each other and wash each other's feet, you wake up and say, what can I do for you this morning? She wakes up, what can I do for you this morning? What can I do for your children? What can you do for your mother-in-law? What can you do for this and that? Then healing starts to flow. Am I right or am I wrong? Praise God. The next thing, and this is important, you have to manage your responses to what people say and do. If you don't learn how to manage the way you respond, you're going to be freaking out your whole life. I was driving down the highway, passing a car. When I passed the car, the gentleman threw the finger at me, and he was one of my deacons. And he didn't realize it was me, but by the time he did, that finger was stuck in my head. And I looked at him. He was an old gentleman. He was in his 80s. And he loved me very much. And as soon as he saw me, he almost died on the spot. And I honestly thought he was going to die because he had a weak heart. He pulled over and just, I could see it in my mirror. He was just weeping, weeping, weeping. So I went under, came around. And I was praying the whole time. I said, God, you have to give me a word of wisdom. How? He's going to die. He will die in that car. Because he really loves me. And he would never do that. He must have been having a bad day, but I needed to have something to say. I got out of the car, and I still had nothing, nothing, nothing. I walked up to the deal, and he goes, ah, 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 ah. I said, calm down, calm down. I said, man, I'm sure glad you did that because I was about to do it to you. Praise God. That was my word of wisdom. He said, really? You were? I said, no, no, but I just thought I'd say that. <laughs> I said, it's not the end of the world. I own you now. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, nah, just kidding. But uh, the thought did cross my mind. But anyway, <laughs> if I was a Pharisee, I would. Praise Lord. You won't vote this way. You have developed a culture since the day you were born till today of responding a certain way to certain offensive things. If you don't change that culture, you will be its slave till the day you die. Why should you lose your peace driving to work? Why should you lose your peace at work with somebody you don't live with? Why should you lose your peace with somebody you live with? You're always going to have to live with them. They're like always there. It is not beneficial to lose your peace. You have to figure out how to live with their faults without being tortured by their faults. Praise the Lord. You have to live with their flaws without being victimized by their flaws. And this re requires a culture response of kindness. Being kind when people are mean to you. Speaking kindly when people cuss you out. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. It's a different set of rules for Christians than for a non-saved person who has no boundaries of any kind in their life. We have a master. We have lost our free will by choice to our God. He tells us what to think and what to believe. This is the difference. We're not free will agents anymore. Once you have given your life to God, then you ask God, what should I think? What should I feel? How should I act? What do you want me to do? If you want to be a free will agent, you must reject God and go serve yourself and be your own God. Because neither the devil nor God will allow you to have free will. The devil will kill you with your free will and you will kill yourself with your free will. God won't take your free will because he could never, ever do that. It must be surrendered, and he's willing to give it back to you any time you want, as many times as you want. But if you're going to walk in victory, not my will, but your will be done. It's the simple fact that you know that God is smarter than you are, and God knows how to make you happy. You don't even know how to make yourself happy, and you're not smart enough to run your own life. Once you resolve those two questions, free will is no longer an issue. Praise the Lord. He wants to be freely loved. He wants you to choose everything with your free will. Choose it. But you also choose to surrender your will. God, what I want to do in this situation is not what you want me to do. I choose your will. Praise the Lord. It's a very simple life, but it's the one that works. The world wants you to worship your free will. That's what the world wants, because they know that that will keep you. Satan wants you to do that, because he knows that's how he can have control over you and how God cannot get near you. Because God cannot function with rebels. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at three people and say, wow, your hair is changing colors right before my very eyes. First Corinthians 13, 5, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. What is the revelation? This is the revelation. Don't 
take things personally, especially when they're meant to be personal. Know the spirit behind the person that is talking to you and decide, is the Holy Spirit telling them to say that? Is the Holy Spirit leading them to treat me that way? And if your answer is no, he's not, then you must reject what is being said without rejecting the person. Reject rejection and love the person. But don't sit under the ministry of the flesh or of Satan through a wounded person or a cruel person or an indifferent person, even if they're a saved person. You choose the ministry you sit under. I'm going to sit under the ministry of the Holy Spirit, not butchers. Praise the Lord. I don't want to be butchered. And, and sometimes people that love you get mad at you, and they may butcher you. And if you let them, they will butcher you. But if you just praise the Lord, just let them say what they want, let them say whatever. Don't take it in. Don't take it personal. Later on, they're going to apologize for it. If they're godly people, they'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any of that. Praise the Lord. How many have ever said something and you didn't, you had to take it back like two seconds later? Anybody? Praise the Lord. I think I did it like yesterday or the day before yesterday. I said something and I went, oh, wow, I didn't mean that. Praise the Lord. Sorry. Everybody said, what, what, what? Did you say something, Dad? No, I, no, I didn't say nothing. Praise the Lord. When I diminish you, I diminish me. So remember that the relationships God is going to put in your life have a divine purpose to those relationships. Some relationships are not of God. He didn't put them there. Satan put them there. You've got to know which relationships Satan has brought and which relationships God has brought. Protect the ones God has given you. And get rid of the ones Satan has put in your life. Praise the Lord. Don't make mountains out of molehills. How many of you do that sometimes? Yes, if you're that kind of person, I'm going to tell you, you're very difficult to be around. <laughs> A man walks home. He takes his shoes off. He takes his socks off. He just throws his sock right there. There's no diabolical conspiracy. <laughs> There's no premeditation or pre-thinking involved. Nothing conspiratorial. He's tired, takes the shoe off, takes the sock, leaves it there. Woman comes home. She sees the sock laying in the middle of the floor. She says, he hates me. <laughs> He's trying to drive me crazy. That means something. He knows how much I hate for him to do that. He's doing that on purpose. And then she goes with a conspiracy theory and the whole thing blows up into some giant, terrible thing. And he's like, huh? <laughs> what? Oh, I left my sock. No, you don't, no, 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 no. Don't act like it's nothing. Don't act like it's nothing. Don't you do don't, No, don't you act in as a night. You meant that. I know what that means. I said, wait a second. It's how it happens. You have to not make mountains out of mole hills. Praise the Lord. Give somebody a high five and say, that's the one you needed. Praise God. Go, bam. It's all about humility. 
and receiving and being able to be corrected. Everybody say out loud, no control is allowed over anybody in any area. I cannot control their body language or any other bodily functions. Because some people want to control everything down to your bodily functions. Why are you doing that with your lip? Why are you doing that with your hand all the time? Do you have to rub your lip like that? Do you have to pinch your ear like that? What is going on? Don't sit like that. You look like some kind of animal. Control, control, control. It's not allowed. It's not allowed. You're not the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to perfect people. Let the Holy Spirit do it. There's certain things, obviously, you're allowed to say out of kindness and because people have given you access. I give my family access. If I say anything or do anything stupid or whatever, please remind me later so I can remember not to do it again. But it can get out of hand. Praise the Lord. So, the last thing, and I'm going to come to it, practice this. Practice celebrating people. Celebrate people. Be famous for celebrating people. Be a celebrator of people. Praise the Lord. Celebrate their potential. Celebrate their, their calling. Celebrate their future. Celebrate their life. Give honor to people even if they don't deserve any. Give them dignity and give them respect. Do it every day. Do it with your language. Do it with your words. Do it with your attitudes. Do it with the way you look at people. Promote people before you promote yourself. Practice promoting people. Be happy when people get what you wanted. Be happy when they have what you wanted. Be happy when they're honored in the area you wanted to be honored. Just promote them and be glad about it and rejoice over it. And don't walk in self-pity. Self-pity is emotional perversion. Because think about it. Other sins, you get gratification from them. If you smoke pot, mmm. If you take them, mmm. If you do that, mmm. They all have a gratification pleasure point. But self-pity, how long does it take? How, I mean, do you feel sorry for yourself for four days and then it feels good? There's no feeling good. It never ends. It's a bottomless pit. It can only drain you of life. So never feel sorry for yourself. Just get up and do it right. God's not ever interested in you suffering for your mistakes. Not at all. He doesn't want you to feel bad, beat yourself up, walk in guilt or shame. None of it is necessary. Jesus did it all. You just need to say, oh, sorry, I won't do it again, and keep going. Focus on the positive. Unless you've hurt a person, then that's different. Because the, the, the restitution has to equal the crime. You can't break my lawnmower after borrowing it and then return it broken. You have to buy me a new lawnmower. Praise the Lord. You don't just say, I'm sorry. You restore. That's the way that love works. If you hit my car, don't put a note on the windshield saying, I'm writing this. You probably think it's my insurance and phone number, but it's not. Have a really good day. Praise the Lord. So, 
Cherish people where they don't cherish themselves, and you'll find God's presence in that over and over. Protect people from themselves by praying over them and prophesying over them and declaring the plan of God over them. Remember, the object is that Satan cannot get in your God-given relationships. Praise the Lord. Protect your relationship with your church and with your pastors by praying for them every day. That's how you do it. Protect your relationship with your husband or wife by praying for them every day. Your children by praying for them every day. The people that are going to be in your life that you don't like but are relatives, pray for them. Job 42, 10, 11, and 12. When Job prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity around and gave him a double portion of everything he had lost. Praise the Lord. Everybody lift your hands. Wrap them around the person next to you. Reach down and grab their wallet and run for your life. Praise the Lord. All right, so I I have much more, but I'm going to end there and just tell you tonight that the Holy Spirit loves relationships. And we should thank God for the ones that He has given us. How many of you can think of five relationships in your life that God has given you, that you can honestly say, God has given me these five relationships. How many of you can do that? You can name them without even thinking about it. Five relationships that God has given you. Some of you can maybe even think of ten. Do you know how wealthy you are? You're one of the richest people on earth. If you have ten divinely given relationships, that is wealth. What if you have fifteen? You're like a billionaire in the spirit. And if you have 20 or maybe 30, you're almost not on earth. Your wealth is so much. Now nurture what God has given you. Call these people every day. Write them notes. Let them know you care about them. Pray for them. Be there for them when they need you. Be available. Remember, be somebody people want to walk towards, not somebody people want to walk away from. Praise the Lord. Kindness is the greatest clothing you can wear as a Christian. It's very hard to fake. And it only really shows when people are treating you bad. Once they treat you bad and you're kind, you have something that only God could have given you. Praise God. Look at two people and say, I love life. What are we going to do now? Now we're going to pray for some healings. Can we do that? The first one. This is really important. I think Pastor asked me to, to, to stop at this point to take the offering. And then... And then minister to you. So I think that's what we'll do. Um, I think that is the right, the right thing to do. So let's do this to, tonight. Let's all take an envelope. And I'm going to take a, an orphan offering. I try to do it one time in all the meetings that I do. Every meeting, I do it this way. Uh, take an envelope 
And I want you to place the names of all the unsaved people on that envelope. This means that the names of people that are still orphans. They don't have God as their father. Take that envelope and put the names of those people in your family that are still not saved and don't have God as their father. They are spiritual orphans, and we're going to just believe God for them tonight. If you write the name of your dad or your mom, you're going to put that offering in the middle bucket, which will be right here, and then all the other people, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, friends, you're going to put in either of the other two buckets in a little bit. Could I have three buckets and we'll put them right here? That's kind of how I want to do it, if that's okay. Yeah. So you're going to write those on there, and let's believe God that they'll get saved, and let's believe God they'll get saved this year, before December. How many of you have faith that they'll get saved this year? If not, we'll believe God they'll get saved next year, but praise the Lord, let's believe God they'll get saved. So on that envelope, you are writing the names of the people you want God to save. Okay, if you have no one, I don't know what to tell you. Either your whole family saved or something else. But put that name on there, and then we're going to pray for them in a minute. What we also will do on the envelope is James 1.27. And I've broken it down like this. It's simple. So every offering is called, what are offerings called? Love offerings, right? How many have ever heard, let's give a love offering. Praise the Lord. So a love offering is like anything with love. It's something that shows love. That's what a love offering is. It's when you give something out of love. So you have the names written on there. A love offering based on James 127 then, that's just what we're using. Uh, James 127. So if giving one dollar and 27 cents, or if you don't have that, just one dollar, giving one dollar, if you give one dollar and you say, this is a love gift, an honorable gift, this gift is all the money that I have, then that is the offering you want to put in there. Just put a dollar in there. Praise the Lord. If you're next to somebody and they don't have anything, give them a dollar. If you have an extra, just give them a dollar so that everybody can give something. And then the second thing is twelve dollars. And we'll just leave out the seven. $12. That may be a, something that when you give it, you say, I'm, this, this, is, this costs me something to give $12. And I'm doing this because I want the gift. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then it doesn't mean anything to God. And I want the offering to be anointed in order to multiply. Praise the Lord. If $1 is it, put that in there. If $12 is it, put in there. If $127 is something that you say, I could give that and I can feel that, then put that in there, $127. If it's more than that, $1,000, you know, $270, put that in there. Whatever it is that you feel when you give that gift, this is a gift that I have to really mean, or it has to mean something to me to give this gift. And as I told you, I have a lot of needs with all these new children. I have many needs, some needs that are unknown needs, but they're in the thousands of dollars. And so 
I don't do any more than what I'm doing right now. This is how I ask people to do it. Just put whatever of those gifts you feel is a love gift. whatever it is, put whatever it is. If you don't feel like giving because you don't like me, then don't give. I like you anyway. Praise the Lord. Or if you think I'm crazy, don't give. If you say, I don't have anything, give a pin, give a shoelace, pull out one of your hairs. Participate because it does matter. Offerings do matter. They, They really are. A blessing. And I want to say this. Always bless your church. And always tithe to your church. Believe God for 100% tithers within the membership. This is a giving church. You wouldn't have... How many churches now, Pastor? Yeah. So you have 579 churches built... In, in Guatemala and in Kenya and I believe in India. So that's a lot of churches, you know, a lot of churches. You gave the money. That means the reward is added to your account. And the greatest gift that you can ever give is non-reward giving, meaning you don't require God to bless you for what you gave. That's the purest form of giving. God can't help himself. He's going to bless you anyway, but it's really great to not care. Praise the Lord. That's a beautiful place to be. So how many of you have the names written on there already? And you have whatever it is you want to give in the envelope. Could you raise your, your envelopes when you're ready? Okay, so put on the, that song you were playing this morning at the end. Put that one on. And if, you, if your mom or dad is on there, put it in this middle bucket. Then the rest of you, when you're ready, you can put your, yours in these two side buckets, and then we'll pray for them. So if you're ready with that offering, when you're ready, come on and bring it up to the altar. song. Just keep playing it over and over. We're about to have some Holy Ghost healings. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. What do you do for a living, sir? Is this your wife? Yeah. Oh, you're really going to get blessed. Big blessing. Remember your local evangelist. Praise the Lord. So here are the the people, all of you that have a mom or a dad that's not saved, would you stand up? 
and you wrote it and put it in here. Whether you did or didn't, you could still stand, but if you have a mom or a dad that's not saved and you wrote that name on here, I'd like you to stand up. Praise the Lord. Would you believe God with me that God could save your mom and dad? How many believe it's important? Would you all walk up here right now? Would you all walk up here right now? Just get around this bucket and let's pray. Let's pray for your mom and your dad. How many of you have both your mom and dad on here? So both your father and mother are not saved? What are their names? Praise the Lord. You've been praying for them a long time. Where do they live, by the way? So, I agree with you that whatever's keeping your parents from being saved, that they'll now get saved. And that you will freak out about it. Absolutely. And that there should be so much love in your family and peace because of it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Who else has their mother and father both written on here? Praise the Lord. On here. So both your mom and dad, what are their names? Alejandro and Maria Luisa. And what's, what's his? Frank and Maxine. Who else lifted their hand? Could you say that a little louder? Faudesh. Jose. Luis. Those are really cool names. Did you raise your hand, sir? You, what is your father's name? Dominic? So let me hear your, your parents' name, whichever's on here. What's your... Roy, your dad? What about you? John? George? That's another cool name. Wow. How about you? How about you? Hmm? Okay. How about you, man? How about you, sir? How about you? How about you? Did I get you yours already? Did I miss anybody? Yeah. Okay. So these are your parents, your fathers and your mothers. Can I ask you a question? Do you think God loves you? Do you think God loves you? And do you think it's part of your inheritance for your family to go to heaven? Do you believe that every member of your family related to you by blood should go to heaven with you? So why don't we believe for your parents and everybody in your family to all get saved? Can we do that? God saved my family. I prayed for my mother for three years. I prayed for her for six hours every day for three years. I never missed a day. I'm not blaming that on the prayer, but I'm saying that the prayer shut the mouth of Satan over my mother and the hand of Satan over my mother. And I would have done it for 20 years. I would have done it for 30 years because I, I decided that my mother is not going to go to heaven. My father was already dead. But I said, Mom, is, my mom is not going to go to hell. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you, get on your knees 
and don't get up till they're saved. Start now, and if you're not doing it, get on your knees every day and say, I'm praying for my mom and dad. They're going to get saved. Their eyes are going to open. Bring them to church. Offer them food, lunch, money, whatever. Because at any moment, your parents will get saved. Three years, my mom would not speak to me when I got saved. But the Holy Ghost was working behind the scenes. I didn't know it. I'd hug her and and weep on her. Just weep. Just get her wet. And she told me, three years, she comes out of the door, out of her house, and says, I want you to tell me about him. I said, what do you want, about who? I want you to tell me, because every time you cry on me, I get this warm feeling, and it's the only time I sleep well. And I slept for three days the last time you did it. And I have to have what you have. And my mother knelt down right there on the porch and prayed with me to accept Jesus into her heart. And then after that, my wife got to pray for her to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I then got to lead her mother, who was 80-something years old, devout Catholic. She came to one of my meetings, never had come before. She heard me preach. I gave the invitation, and she was the first one down. And she died in our home at the age of 96 and went straight to heaven. You should have that. You should have that comfort. I led my grandmother to Jesus the night before she died in the hospital. And she died that night. And she went straight to heaven. Praise the Lord. It's time. Lord, would you save all the people parents, their dads, and their moms. Would you save them, Lord, and let them go to heaven in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I ask you to do it quickly. Let some of these folks have those those testimonies before this year is out in the name of Jesus. Now everybody say, I received my parents saved in Jesus' name, and I will see it with my own eyes. Praise the Lord. Now let's pray for everybody who wrote in these envelopes the names of people you love and let's all stand for this whoever is written on here on these envelopes we now say oh father in heaven we ask you to save every single relative and person written on these papers let them come in lord like a flood like a river and let them be born again in the name of jesus of nazareth We declare that they'll get saved and they'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit and serve Jesus till the day they die. We accept their souls, God, into heaven through miracles of salvation and in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, everybody. Thank you. You can be seated. Let's pray. Let's pray now for the healing of relationships. Here's what I want to do. If you're honest, God can heal you. If, you're, if you cover it up, you'll have to keep it. Being honest is simple. You're honest about what has happened to you. If your dad hurt you, and it still hurts, you need to stand up. If your mom hurt you, and it still hurts you, Even the memory hurts you. 
you need to stand up. And we're going to pray for the healing of anything that happened to anybody from the father or a mother, whatever that event was. Praise the Lord. So if it's one of those two, would you please stand so we can pray for you right now. And let's ask God to heal you of those things. Praise the Lord. A father or a mother. A wound from a father or a mother. Praise the Lord. Somebody that's standing, you were molested by your father. You're going to be healed of that. Others of you, you were verbally abused. Others of you were physically abused. Others of you were just treated with coldness and cruelty and callousness. And you're going to be healed. But you have to receive the healing right now. Because it can change your personality completely. And as you do it, you just say, God, I want to be whole. I don't want to be hurt in any way. I want to be whole. So can we all pray? If you're near someone that's standing, would you simply reach out your hand and touch them? If you're part of the ministry team of the church, would you get up and go to somebody and stand next to them? Literally get off your feet and go find one of these people and stand next to them. And let's get them healed right now. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to say the prayer and you're going to receive the prayer and it's going to happen. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, everyone that was molested by a father, be healed of that wound right now and I break the power of the covenant of satanic invasion into your spirit that you are healed of that right now by the power of the name of Jesus Christ I also pray that you're healed right now from any language from your father or your mother that was brutal and abusive and vile anyone that was physically beat up by a father or a mother that you'll be healed from that and then all the wounds of abandonment being left rejected never approved never able to please them be healed of that hands are being laid on you Say it right now. I forgive them. And I receive my healing. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I'll not carry it for the rest of my life. I'll be free from it. In Jesus name. Praise the Lord. Now all of you that stood up to get prayer. I want you to get out of your seat. And just walk right here. Walk around. Let me just touch your hand. And agree with you for, for your healing to be sealed. Just walk right by me, right here. I just want to touch your hand really quick. And believe God. Just walk around that way. Yeah, I'll walk around that way. Praise the Lord. I, when, I, when you're walking up, I see like a, um, a whole orchestra. I see like a whole orchestra. And they're all just playing and just making beautiful music. And that is what has just happened for you. God is going to, wow, what a word. God is going to, you are going to 
bring a lot of music into people's lives and God is going to put an orchestra inside of you where you are just feeling the literal joy of the Lord all day long, all the time. It's going to be beautiful. I receive it for myself. Praise God. God bless you. I agree with you. God bless you. I agree with you. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you right now, ma'am. I pray for your body to be healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Lord. Your health has been sliding backwards, but I'm going to reverse it right now, ma'am, in Jesus' name. We're reversing your blood disorder. We're reversing the problem in your back and hips, your knees. I'm reversing everything going on in your body, ma'am. Any diabetes that wants to creep into your body, anything going on that's not of the Holy Ghost, we reverse it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I declare that you're going to breathe clearly. You're going to sleep in peace and you're going to walk in strength. And the Lord will give you your strength back in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, you're a beautiful woman, ma'am, to God. When I say beautiful, I mean you're beautiful in the spirit to God. He looks at you and he sees somebody he loves a lot and he cares for a lot. But the Lord wants me to tell you something. He is not done with you and you are not done. Your ministry is waiting for your health to catch up. And so I just reverse that now that your health is coming back to you 100%. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you, man. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I agree with you. I agree with you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for you real quick. Got any oil there, bro? We got some of that, like, scented. Because we have, like, we have people that, that do, like, mint, caramel, macchiato. The Lord's telling me to tell you that he just healed you and that it's taken care of. Praise the Lord. The whole situation. Were you praying about your father or about your mother? So in the name of Jesus, I want to seal it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Right there. Thank you, Lord. The sadness and the grief that has been with you since you were a little girl is removed from you right now and gone permanently in the name of Jesus. You have tried to climb over the fence that's keeping you from the things God has told you you're supposed to have. And you fall back. You climb up, you fall back. God said, I'm removing the fence. Just walk on in. Isn't that a great word? Wow, what a great word. Tell somebody, thank you, God. I received that for myself. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So I pray for your daughter right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, let there be a miracle right there in Jesus' name. God will answer you. He'll give you that miracle that you've been praying for because you are a, you're a godly woman that has faith. You have simple faith, and it's the simple faith that Satan cannot resist. And so I declare your daughter's off drugs, your daughter's off everything, and she's free in the name of Jesus of Nazareth by the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Give me some more. What's her name? What is it? Sarah? 
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God knows. It's all taken care of, okay? So we agree for Sarah in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, okay? God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Bless you. I just want to tell you I just like you a lot. <laughs> I love you too. Praise God, and you're a great cook. Praise the Lord. Thank you. I agree for your father. I agree for whatever you need. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you for one second. So a cloud of depression sometimes settles on you, and the Holy Spirit is going to be your wings now, and He will lift you above the things that try to weigh heavy on you, almost like a, a semi-truck, and you will be transformed over the next three to four months, and literally you will have so much joy that you will not recognize yourself. You will look in the mirror and say, who am I? I'm completely different. God has picked on you right now, and he's picking on you, and he says, I'm going to pick on you by making your dreams come true. Praise the Lord. That's how I'm going to pick on you. Because three things should have happened to you. One, you should have been cherished. You've never been cherished. You should have been cherished. You should have been protected. You were not protected. And you should have been listened to. Those things have broken your heart. And now God is healing them. All because He loves you. You are not alone. You don't have to be afraid of the future. What you cannot fix, your heavenly Father will fix. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Bless you, man. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord. Let's just rejoice for a minute. Say, thank you, God. Let's give God praise for a minute. Can you lift your voice? Keep that music going, bro. Yeah, don't turn it down. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Just come on. Thank you for a little bit. Say, thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Keep praising Him for a little while. Say, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Let's pray in the Holy Spirit for a minute. Just pray right there. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to pray for all of you that have been betrayed by someone and it really, really messed you up. Whoever it is, I want you to stand right now. At any place and time of life. But it was a betrayal and it really, really hurt you deeply. I remember the first day of school, first grade. And I go to school, a Catholic school. We had nuns. Nuns are famous for having very powerful hands. And I go in the class and I don't see my friend Tony in there. 
I leave class and I go into another class and there he is. So I just go in the class and sit in that class. The nun calls Roe. I forget what her name was. I think Sister Luke. The, she calls Roe and notices that I'm not saying anything. She says, who are you? And I gave her my name. She says, you're not on my list. And no, no, no. I, I was going to be in that class, but I, I changed classes. I'm going to be in this class because my friend Tony's here in this class. She got up and walked over to me, grabbed me by the ear and lifted me off the floor. Drew a little circle on the chalkboard, made me stand on my toes, put my nose in there, and then let the class laugh. And I'm going to tell you, I felt demons coming into my body. And I felt betrayed by someone I looked up to, an authority figure from God. And you may think those things don't affect you, but they twisted me on the inside. I didn't even know how to explain what I felt. But I tell you, it was terrible. From that day, I had a phobia of getting in front of people. And all the way through high school, till I got saved, I would never give an oral speech in front of a class. My mother would write a note. Do not ask him to say anything in front of class. He will run away. Spankings do not help. The fear was much stronger of getting in front of people than getting whipped. And I was a, a child of six years old. Don't take for granted anything. Let the Holy Spirit heal you right now. Betrayal is terrible. Some of you have been betrayed by an ex-wife or an ex-husband. Maybe somebody was unfaithful. Maybe somebody betrayed you with finances. A friend may have betrayed you. A girlfriend, a boyfriend, a, a husband, a wife, a parent, whatever it is. Let's get healed of it right now. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands and say, God, I let go of the fear of being betrayed. Of something a friend would do to me, God. I forgive them. I love them. They were friends. I trusted them and they betrayed me. And I want to forgive them for it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I let go of it, and I will never again blame that on me not trusting you. I will trust you from now on, Lord, and I believe in you, and I trust you with my future. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand, everybody say, praise God. Relationships, they're quite interesting. Being hurt by people. This is specifically if you've been hurt by one of your family. This could be a, a, a sister or a brother. An uncle or an aunt. The wars that go on. My, my, my oldest sister is married and lives in California. She's married to the nicest man in the world. He is the, he is the son of a gentleman, and they came from Mexico. He came when he was a little boy, and the father married uh, a, a woman there in, in uh, San Diego, married her, and 
he was already a little boy, five or six years old, whatever he was, and, and he became this woman's son. She then had 10 more children. I have known them all my life. They have been the closest family you can ever imagine. And my brother-in-law has lent all of his brothers and sisters thousands of dollars freely. Last year, the, the father dies, the mother dies. And for $2,000, they all signed a court saying he was not her son. So they would get each get $2,000 that would go to him. It broke. My, my sister said to me, have you ever seen a clown cry? Because this is the most joyful, happy man, makes everybody laugh. He named my first dog Fiddle-Eyes, a dog that I, I had as a kid growing up. He's the one that took me to all the bullfights across the border and all the other crazy things that I still really like thinking about. Taught me how to play baseball. And they betrayed him. Now they don't talk to each other. There's no communication. Three or four of them have gone bankrupt. Betrayal. You don't know when it comes or who it comes by. But when you're hurt by a relative, it's the deepest wound of all. I want to pray for you. If you're separated from a brother or a sister or a relative, maybe you're supposed to stay that way. Maybe God's going to save them. Or maybe you just need to get healed. But whatever it is, let's get healed. Praise the Lord. So if you're one of those that has those things happen to you from a relative, would you stand and let's pray for you right now? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to heal us from any brother or sister, uncle or aunt, or any person that's done anything that could mess you up. Praise the Lord. Maybe your own child. You know what it's like to be a parent and feel betrayed or hurt by your own child? You need to get healed. It's a terrible thing to have one of your children do something beneath them. It's heartbreaking. But you have to walk in love, you have to forgive, because they still have a whole future ahead of them. Their journey may change, but their destiny doesn't need to. And neither does yours. Praise the Lord. Let's all forgive right now. Lord, say it out loud. Say, Lord, I forgive. And just name that person under your breath right there. I forgive whoever it is, Lord. I forgive them for betraying me, for hurting me, for wounding me for whatever it is they did. And I receive the healing of the Holy Spirit tonight in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I declare, God, that I'm going to be free and at peace. Do not hurt them 
or let them be hurt. God, have mercy on them. No judgment, God. Let them get saved and get close to you. And let them be tenderized. And God, if it's possible to restore that, would you restore that? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, thank you, God. Praise the Lord. Relationships, there's something. Being hurt in church, very dramatic. I was very deeply hurt in church. More hurt than I ever was as an unsaved person. Because a church wound is not like anything else. It is the most devastating thing. It can wreck your life, your walk with God. It can wreck your view of God. My wife and I grew up in a church. And, you know, the first two or three years was really great. We started noticing something about the, the main pastor. And I was ministering all the whole time I was ministering and started noticing things. Then it turns out that he was a homosexual and he was seducing some of the young men there in the church. And so many people were damaged and devastated and wrecked. And they have never come to church. That was 40 something years ago. Some of them still hate God to this day. The one thing that helped me get through all those things that we saw was that we're always taught to keep our eyes on Jesus and not put our eyes on people. People will fail, but God will not fail. Praise the Lord. He wrecked a lot of lives. And what can you do? All you can do is go forward and say, let's not be that way. Let's not hurt people. Let's love people. Praise the Lord. This has been about relationships. So this will be my last thing. And if you've been hurt in church ever, or even by a leader, anything like that, I'd like you to stand and let's just be healed and believe God because He is a good God. Praise the Lord. So if that's the case, if you'll stand, I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes we get hurt just because we're already hurt. Thank God for pastors like Pastor Albert and Miss Monica that don't have in them the capacity of revenge, of hurting people. Thank God for Scott and Melissa that are so sweet and kind. And I hope you will just give them so much love and honor and help them with the vision they have for this church to explode and grow protect them, never speak about them badly, never hurt them. Praise God. Oh, please don't do that. 
Just love them always. This is a great journey. They're leading the church in a beautiful way. And I can tell you that Scott and Melissa are two of the most anointed people you're ever going to meet, and it's only going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. I prophesy this church will double and keep doubling. And it'll always double, double, double by the glory of God. Don't be small-minded and say, oh, but I don't want to have that many people. I'm not going to know anybody. It'll just be a mega church. God is a mega God. He's a people God. You can have your home group and have the little thing you want. But God needs people, thousands of them, to come here, get saved, get discipled, get sent out, get trained, and it's okay. Praise the Lord. God will meet the needs you have for intimacy with other people. Praise the Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for good shepherds, good preachers, good men, good women that lead your church, God. We pray for the healing of everybody that's here right now that has ever been wounded by a, a, a leader, a spiritual leader, God, that they will be healed, male or female, that they will be healed from it right now. And the sting of it will be removed from their mind and from their heart in Jesus' name. Say it out loud. I release them from my mind in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you put your hands then on the people next to you? Just lay your hands on them. Would you say, be healed of anything going on in your life because of people in Jesus' name? The best is yet to come. Say, this is going to be a great year. We're going to have great relationships. We're going to speak kindly and walk in love in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll be out there. Those of you that want to buy the book, want to buy some of those tapes, I'll be out there. If you did not get a card to help with that one little girl, you can go over to the back and I'll give you that. If there's any of you, I think a couple of you, we're going to bring the cards back. If you could give me those, that'd be great. But uh, it's been a great day. I've gone over about 30 minutes, I think. But I hope you won't get mad at me about it. Uh, think we're okay right praise the lord presence of the lord people got blessed a lot of cool stuff happened amen merry christmas happy new year here's pastor hallelujah thank you brother ivan so much thank you for blessing us